Hello and welcome to Shrink, the podcast for the mind. I'm Philippe Taron and I talk to the people who want to have a better understanding of their issues with weight and body image. In my practice with my clients who come and see me mainly because they want to lose weight, I use different therapy tools. One of them is called Gestalt and it's very centered on the state that we're in. That's in fact somehow the definition of Gestalt therapy is being aware of the state that we're in, the emotions that we're dealing with. Another one that I use quite a lot is transactional analysis, which is a psychoanalytic method of therapy. It was developed by the Canadian psychiatrist Eric Bern in the 1950s, 1960s. He wrote this amazing book called Games People Play, which I really recommend. In transactional analysis, we focus more specifically on the four main emotions. Fear, happiness, anger, and sadness. This doesn't mean that the other emotions are not interesting and shouldn't be considered, but these are really the four main ones. Fear, happiness, anger, and sadness. None of these emotions is bad by itself. I mean, you can feel bad when you're feeling sad. You can feel bad when you're angry. But altogether, these emotions are there to tell us something, to tell us that Something is happening and we should deal with it one way or the other. Unfortunately, it's not unusual for many people not to be in touch with their emotions, not really knowing what's going on. They may feel like something is not right. They may feel unhappy. So they would use the word unhappy because they can't put really a word on what's happening in terms of emotions. And that's when we start compensating in different ways by overeating, by having too many partners, by overdrinking, or that's when also we start blaming others for the way that we are feeling. It's like others are responsible. It cannot be about us, it's about others. And yes, I've talked before about um, the main emotions that we're dealing with in some of my previous podcasts. But today um, we'll be talking about the racket emotions and they are the ones we unconsciously, most of the time unconsciously, use to suppress the authentic ones. It's something we learn as a child, as a defense mechanism or as a way to please our parents. And it can stick with us if we're not aware of it. And it plays tricks with the way we feel, the way we communicate with others, but then also the way we eat. When I was a child, for example, and I was sad, eventually, my mother would say, oh, don't be sad. It makes me so sad when you're sad. So there was no room for my sadness. My sadness became hers. And, I mean, there is no child who wants, who likes his mother or his father to be sad. So I, would, I wouldn't express it anymore. I wouldn't express sadness. I would show the face of... Uh, always happy child, which is impossible. I wasn't always happy, far from it. Like most of us, we go through all kinds of stuff. So I was hiding my sadness behind my smile, behind my jokes. And it's something I've, got, I've kept on doing for quite a while, in fact. We're not detached, of course, of the emotions um, that our friends or family, the people that we love, if they're dealing with an emotion, we cannot like be completely detached from it. But then we should keep in mind that it's their emotion. And if they're expressing something difficult, something they're dealing with, something that they're experiencing, we should listen to them. 
maybe not try to come up with solutions for them because usually they don't want to hear it or our solutions won't be theirs anyway. Solutions or ways to deal with what they are going through. As a child, I could feel that my mother was a very sad person, sad and very anxious. As a Jew, she had to hide during the Second World War and uh, all kind of stuff happened to her. So even if I couldn't put words on it, I knew that you know she was not comfortable with many of her emotions. I could sense that she was fragile somehow. In fact, maybe I thought she was more fragile than she truly was. But as a good boy that I was, I wanted to protect her. I wanted her to be happy. So I've learned how to put my sadness aside, how to suppress my sadness and show a happy face, even when deep inside me, I was sometimes very sad. I want to insist on the point that the idea is not to blame our parents for that, but to understand what was at stake when, as a child, you were in touch with some emotions and you felt like it was just wrong to express it. You felt like you had to protect your parents. You felt like it was important not to show them everything you were experiencing in order to be loved by them. So in the example that I just gave, the racket emotion was happiness. I didn't feel like it was right to express my sadness. I suppressed it and I showed happiness instead, even when I was deeply sad. I have a client, um, I will call her Angela, which is not a real name, of course, but I think it's a sweet name, by the way, Angela. Anyway, when she was 10, she had a younger brother who died. Her younger brother was six and he died of cancer. All the family was so sad. All the family was, I mean, deeply saddened by, by what happened. And they were not sad just when it happened, of course. They were sad for years and years. So until we started seeing each other about two years ago, Angela thought it was not right for her to express any happiness to be in touch with her happiness and eventually to show it to others. It's something she just learned how to suppress. And it's tough because happiness, if you're at this stage in your life where you feel like things are going well for you, it's something you deserve to be in touch with. It's something you deserve to share with the ones around you, the people that you love. But for her, it wasn't. So instead, she was showing all kinds of emotions fear, anger, sadness, really, depending on the one which was more or less appropriate, but no happiness. But I believe that in her case, the main racket emotion was fear, because what happened when she was a young girl took her by surprise. It took all the family by surprise, of course, but it took her by surprise. It's like, how can you be happy knowing that something terrible might happen at any time, which is true. But then if we live like that, you know, expecting that the worst can happen anytime, how can we be happy? I still remember the, um, the very first time um, after seeing each other for a few months when I asked her, how are you? How was your week? She looked at me and she had like magnificent smile and said, I'm happy. I'm truly happy. And it was just amazing to see her being in touch with her happiness, feeling it, 
expressing it without even thinking that it may end at any point. Andrew's story is different. Well, in fact, all stories are different. We've all experienced different things. So his story, talking about racket emotions, is when he was a young boy, every time he was scared of something, every time he was fearful, his father would tell him, oh, come on, don't be scared. Be a man, grow up. There was no room for him to express his fears. And he's learned not to express them, but also he learned to suppress his fears. So he was never in touch with his fears, even uh, until a year ago, so something like a year ago, uh, as a 49 years old adult. But we need to be in touch with our fears because they give us a signal, they send us a signal that something could be dangerous, that something can be harmful. So we should listen to our fears and see how we can react to it. See if, if our fears are legitimate. See if we should do something about them. But in his case, Andrew had no way to identify his fears. He told me that when he felt like he, he was trapped into something, it would make him very angry. In fact, yes, there was some anger, maybe, at some point. When we all have reasons to be angry or f feel frustrated by something, you know, daily, of course. But in this case, it wasn't the main emotion. The main emotion was fear. He was scared because he could feel that it was the end of his relationship with his wife. The relationship was not what it was before, and there was really no way to fix it. He was also scared because he could feel he could lose his job. His company was really, really at risk. And so losing his wife, losing his job, I mean, it's terrible circumstances. You could legitimately feel scared, like, what am I going to do financially? You know, how am I going to find uh, myself a new flat, a new place to live? I mean, all good reasons to be scared, but he wasn't in touch with his fears. He was only in touch with his anger. Our fears are there to protect us, to save us, and if we don't identify them, it can be really dangerous. But as a child, Andrew learned that if he wanted to be loved by his father, he had to be strong. And being strong meant not being fearful, not being, not being afraid of things. And of course, when someone realizes that they've been dealing with this racket emotion or emotions, sometimes it's more than one, it's really scary. Because there we are, having to deal with an emotion that we're not familiar with. Having to deal with an emotion that for years or decades sometimes, we thought it was estranged to us. I think we say that in English, estranged. It wasn't part of your repertoire. When I take more or less a French accent, although I'm Belgian, um, it's when I'm not sure about the word that I use, but when I say it with a French accent, it's, it sounds more like they will get it. As I've said before, one of the main four emotions is anger. And when she was a little girl, Ellen had no right to express her anger. When she was feeling angry, her mother would tell her, oh, come on, you look terrible when you are angry. 
You're not a pretty girl when you're angry. Boys will never like you if you get angry like that. You look at your sister, she's so much more beautiful and she doesn't get angry the way you do. It's like the, one of the worst messages, but at least it was a very direct one, very simple one to analyze. So Helen quickly learned how to use another emotion, a racket emotion. Instead of being angry, she would start crying. It's not that unusual, in fact, to see uh, young girls, mainly girls, but boys as well, who um, are very angry, and you can see it on their face, and but they don't say they're angry, or they don't shout, or they don't... No, they start crying. Their racket emotion is sadness. Instead of saying what they are unhappy with, what they're frustrated by, they would start crying. But anger is a very important emotion. I mean, they all are important. Anger is usually coming out of some kind of frustration, something you're unhappy with. And if you're not in touch with that frustration, with that anger, how can you make things change? How are you supposed to tell someone, hey, you don't talk to me that way, okay? That's not respectful. I deserve to be respected in this relationship. How do you tell someone, could you please make less noise? You know, I'm trying to uh, to have a nap here. How can you, I mean, these are just, you know, small examples, but there are, some, of course, some more important ones, but they don't come to my mind right now. But if you don't express your anger, and if instead of expressing it you for example like in the example of Ellen you start crying people just get annoyed by that instead of thinking okay I did something wrong um, that person is not happy with what I'm doing or the, the way I'm talking to him or to her I'm gonna change that instead of giving a chance for things to change you just make it worse in fact most of the time I remember when at the very beginning of our therapy Ellen was expressing uh, or you know saying things about her mother she would very often start crying and um, I would tell her but why is it sad I mean don't you think that it's unfair the way you've been treated or you know what has been done there don't you think it's unfair to you and she would cry it's like she deserved it almost and um, I know that at one of the last sessions that we've had uh, I was telling her um, something, I was asking her something, and she <laughs> she looked at me and she said, fuck, leave me alone with that question. I don't want, I'm fed up with your questions. And I was so happy. I mean, and she had a big smile on her face, but anyway, still, she could express the fact that she was frustrated or bored with my question. And uh, yeah, it just felt so good. It just felt so right for her. And I was, it made me happy. Anyway, she didn't make, she didn't do it to make me happy. She was authentic when she did it, but she couldn't help smiling. And because, yeah, somehow after all what she's been experiencing, it was kind of a relief, such a big relief to be able to, to say to our therapist, fuck, leave me alone with that. So I've just given you a few examples of uh, racket emotions. How... We use certain emotions instead of the one which is more appropriate. How we use it or how we express it to others. And I think I've kind of explained how you can play tricks with us on a daily basis sometimes. And um, it's not easy to change. 
as I said before, there are some fears around that because we don't always know how to manage these new emotions. I mean, they're not new, they've been there for, for always, but they're new to us, they're new to you. And um, yeah, change takes time. It's also a matter of habits, you know. You used to react in a certain way. You used to feel a certain way in certain circumstances. And you used to show a certain face, uh, a certain part of you in certain circumstances. I think it has to do with being authentic as well. As long as we use an emotion instead of the one which we're really dealing with, we're not truly authentic. We're not truly authentic to ourselves, we, we sort of lie to ourselves, and we're not truly authentic to others. So they don't really get to know you. And um, I think it's a good thing to be intimate with yourself, to be intimate with your feelings, to be intimate with your emotions, and then with others. Mm -hmm.